The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everybody, this is Casey Fields. I'm the manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Here is the latest from the dome to your home, the association's weekly legislative report for the week of April 15th. The Senate met on Wednesday and Thursday of last week to debate its version of the budget. The House of Representatives did not meet last week because of the furlough scheduled until tomorrow, Tuesday, April 23rd. The tobacco preemption bill and the plastic bag ban bill remain on the Senate contested calendar, and the bill that prohibits the Municipal Association from collecting business licenses on behalf of cities remains in a House committee. The bill that amends the Tort Claims Act was amended to lower the proposed liability cap increases, and it was passed by the Senate. The bill, that bill is now in the House waiting to be taken up by a committee. A couple of updates on our advocacy initiatives. The local government fund bill, House Bill 3137, was passed by the Senate Finance Committee and sent to the full Senate for debate. I expect them to take that bill up this week. The Senate approved its version of the budget that included $2 million in recurring funding to the Criminal Justice Academy. The budget will now go to a conference committee to iron out the differences between the House version and the Senate version. H-4262, the South Carolina Small Wireless Facilities Deployment Act, was given a favorable report by a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee. In its original form, the bill completely preempted local control over the deployment of small wireless facilities in the municipal rights-of-way and allowed telecommunications companies the right to deploy small wireless facilities with only limited aesthetic review in historic and underground districts. The amendment returns much of the aesthetic control back to cities and towns, among other changes. Several senators on the subcommittee expressed their concerns about the bill, and they plan to address those concerns in the full Senate Judiciary Committee meeting on Tuesday. Like I mentioned earlier, last Thursday, the Senate gave final approval to its version of the state budget. Included in its version are several things that are different from the Senate Finance Committee version, but the things that remain in the version, in the full Senate version, are the $9.5 million to the local government fund base amount to establish a new base amount of $232.1 million, the 1% credit for employers' retirement system contributions, that was in the Senate version of the budget, also in the version $22 million in non-recurring funds, are provided as a match for FEMA funding for Hurricane Florence. Not included in the House version, but included in the Senate version is $500,000 in non-recurring money for PTSD funding. And the Senate included the $2 million in recurring funding to the Criminal Justice Academy. Several provisos were introduced in the Senate version of the budget that were not included in the House version, One proviso that was originally introduced by Senator Cromer, a Republican from Newberry, in its original form, it would have kept private third parties from assessing, collecting, administering the collection of or processing business license taxes. That that original proviso was amended. The new language in the proviso protects existing collections programs, removes the restriction on processing, and specifically permits counties and municipalities to contract with private third parties to assist in the collection of business license taxes. 
just so long as the business data is submitted to the municipality rather than the private third party. The amendment also limits contact between private third-party collection entities and businesses to only one contact or one instance, and it also creates a study committee to develop reforms related to third-party collection entities. That amendment was adopted. Senator Tom Corbin, a Republican from Greenville, introduced an amendment that was also adopted that requires nonprofit organizations that receive contributions from an entity that receives money in the state budget bill to provide detailed statements about their staff salaries, positions, and programming to the state executive budget office and the revenue and fiscal affairs office. This proviso further requires a nonprofit organization to agree to an audit by the state auditor before it can accept contributions from these covered entities. That was also adopted. Senator Shane Massey, a Republican from Edgefield, he introduced an amendment that would have prohibited municipalities from passing ordinances that govern the use, purchase, sale, or transfer of consumer goods. Read that, plastic bags. Senators Sandy Sin from Charleston, Tom Davis from Beaufort, Chip Campson from Charleston, Kevin Johnson from Clarendon, Dick Harputlian from Richland County, and Luke Rankin from Horry County all spoke against the amendment. Senator Sandy Sin made the motion to table the amendment, and the Senate voted to table the amendment or get rid of the amendment by a vote of 27 to 14. So this week, I've asked Scott Slatton and Tiger Wells to join our loyal listeners on the podcast to talk about what it was like over at the State House with the Senate version of the budget. So the senators debated the budget on Wednesday and Thursday, finishing up Thursday night, and there were things we expected, things we didn't expect, um, but everybody kind of came together as a team and worked on it. And I want to give, I want them to give you a perspective on what that was like over at the state house. Not everybody can be there all the time, engaged all the time, because we know that you have things going on back in your cities that you're responsible for. And we just kind of want to give you an idea of what it was like. Um, Scott, you want to start and kind of give us an idea from your perspective. What what did it feel like last week? Yeah, sure. I think the the key word that I always think about, particularly during budget week, when the House was working through their budget, and then, of course, last week when the Senate was working through the budget, the word I keep in mind is vigilance. Uh, vigilance is something that we as lobbyists on behalf of our cities and towns have to maintain all the time and be prepared to spring into action to uh, either support or certainly try and interfere with budget provisos because those are the most dangerous tools that legislators have at their disposal during the budget. So the, 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 the saying goes that what you can't accomplish through a bill, you get accomplished through a proviso because it's not, it doesn't go through the normal legislative process. So uh, vigilance is what we as the lobbying team have to maintain, and uh, I think we did a pretty good job last week. Scott, let me let me ask this quick question. When you were a city manager, when you were in Woodruff, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did, did you did you know now that you are in in the thick of it at the state house? What how, what's the difference in what you knew then and what you know now? Oh, I am a convert. So yes, when I when I moved over to the lobbying team, I was one of those that was always ready to say, fight, fight, fight. You know, you got to stop it. Why did you stop it? And now, 
seeing how manipulative the process can be sometimes and how difficult it is to push a rope up a hill, uh, my attitude is much different. I'm still of the mind that there are occasions when we do need to fight and and you have to pick your battles. I know know it's a cliche, but it's certainly true in the General Assembly and and the fights that we we have to fight occasionally. So one battle that we did that we did fight was against Senator Massey's amendment or proviso to ban those ordinances. And Tiger, talk a little bit about how the the coalition came together on that one. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I. I 100 percent agree with with what Scott said about the importance of vigilance. Um, But another word that comes to mind is the the importance of collaboration. And our team, I mean, we've got a a strong team over there, Um, but we also have a bit of an extended team. um, And it really shows up on issues like this. We've built alliances with other groups over there, whether it's the conservation voters, whether it's the Cancer Society, um, Association of Counties, and when unexpected uh, attempts like the one that um, was made last week happen, uh, we can really see all of those alliances kick in. As we're reaching out to folks we have relationships with, asking them to to make this point or that point you see them also reaching out to the folks that they have relationships with and you you get much greater coverage because of that kind of effort and our of course our default coalition are the members cities and towns uh, mayors and council members and we reached out to them last week during these proviso debates i reached out to uh, a city official who we needed to reach out to their senator because we'd been provided some information on that that he supported a particular proviso that was deleterious to cities and towns and um he he did that and uh but at the same time i was texting with another a a coalition person uh, who is in a whole different field that uh, had an interest in an issue that we weren't directly interested in. Well, we were interested in it in a tertiary way, but it would have affected his business directly, and so give him the heads up so that he could deploy his members, which was very helpful. And, you know, the the weekly legislative report gives everybody a high-level view of what happened at the State House during the week, but that there's no way we can use this report to go into the detail of the negotiations that Tiger went through with Senator Cromer and the other stakeholders on that proviso, or how many people you texted, how many people we worked with, other lobbyists, our mayors and council members to defeat or push through some of these provisos. And it there's not a lot of planning that goes into the provisos because they happen so quickly. That's exactly right. I mean, that's why it's such a somewhat volatile um, time because unlike other things that are working through the process slowly I mean they come up and really depend on depending on how long that individual is willing to stand up there and talk um, before it actually goes to a vote I mean that depends that determines how much time you have to rally troops you know whether that's making calls to mayors or, or council members or calling back to our eye in the sky, Casey, to reach out to, you know, the mayors and council pers- um, council people while we 
reach out to some of our other allies there on the ground. It's it's a it's a fast pace. It's exhilarating for I mean when you're when you're in the thick of it, uh, it's high stakes and and it it can be fun. It can also be very stressful. And you have to you have to what like we did last week. We were assessing on the fly these provisos as they're flashed up in front of us. We're assessing the potential fight that we might have to mount very quickly. You have to make that decision very quickly. For instance, with the with the proviso that uh, Senator Corbin put up, you know, depending on how you read that, would determine how vigorously you needed to fight against it if you were potentially going to be affected, if at all. So you gotta you gotta assess whether or not you think you might be affected by it, and then to what extent. Senator Massey's proviso, for instance, the penalty for that was the loss of one quarter payment of your local government fund. Well, if I if I'm a city manager, and I'm in between readings of a of a plastic bag ban, I might be able to convince my council that losing that one quarter of a local government fund payment is worth the the risk of moving forward or or worth the benefit of moving forward with banning plastic bags so and then that and then we have to use that sort of reasoning and thinking to determine how badly we want to fight this this effort and uh, who all we need to to drag into the into the fight that city manager perspective again that we value so much (laughs) on the team everybody brings their own you know, their own strengths. And that, Scott, that's definitely one of yours. Tiger shines in the negotiation Mm -hmm. realm, and then Mm -hmm. Melissa's got the numbers. So Mm -hmm. we, it truly is a great team, and the collaboration with other lobbyists is um, invaluable. So we, um, we want you to access the bills that were introduced. There was only one since the House was on furlough. There was a resolution introduced, and the bills that received action from a subcommittee or Committee, you can access all of that through our legislative tracking system. Anything else that we want to share, save it for another one. Be sure to keep tuning into the podcast because we're going to keep doing these wrap-ups with our legislative team, and then we'll have one big one at the end of session. So be sure to follow the legislative team on Twitter and check back next week for the latest in municipal legislative news from the South Carolina State House. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.